Everyone who's ever been deeply in love or deeply in debt, it's The Pick with Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. And this week we are returning to the year 1986, the year that gave us Transformers the movie once again to talk about the money pit in honor of uh tom hanks and hanksgiving although in all likelihood this won't come out until december but there are reasons I'll tr- for I'll that tr- i'll try i'll try no, to get it in no. before december it's uh it's really late in november when we're recording this um and before we get to the money pit it's tradition on this podcast to do some little picks uh and it's also tradition for the big picker to do the first little pick. And that's me this week. Um, so we should probably talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the new Marvel movie that's out. Um, and um, despite the fact that uh, one of the people I saw this movie with did not know that Chadwick Boseman had died two years ago. Uh, I think for every other person who sees Wakanda Forever, there's that big dark cloud uh, looming over this whole movie. Um, and and I think when you watch it, you can see that uh, they had a movie planned uh, that probably would have been about Namor and T'Challa's different worldviews. Uh, since they're both characters that got powers from vibranium and magical herbs and they live in secret kingdoms that the rest of the world don't know about but are actually you know world superpowers um and uh and the end of the movie would be them you know fighting over their 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 views of you know t'challa being the the guy who wants to abandon tradition and embrace the world and namor who is the isolationist guy who wants to hide from the world and they maybe come to some sort of compromise and that could have been a good movie uh but uh when chadwick boseman died they had to uh come up with a new story to tell and uh ryan coogler has gone out and said that they considered every option uh as like everything from not making another black panther movie to recasting the part um but what he said was that um, his duties to the truth and uh, the truth for him was that there was a lot of shock and sadness and grief and loss that he was experiencing um, and so what we got was a Black Panther sequel that uh, does all those things that I think they were originally going to make the movie about but also is a movie about the four um, people closest to T'Challa Um coping with his death um those people being his mom uh his uh lover uh his like general uh and his sister uh shuri uh who ends up being 
the main character of this movie, despite the marketing making it seem like it's going to be more of an ensemble movie. I think when you see it, you find out pretty quickly that this is um, Letitia Wright's movie, uh, which I think is a little bit of a shame because uh, of those four characters, she's probably the one I like the least. But uh, she's all right. You know, <laughs> I uh, I went down... A dark path with the uh, with the the Marvel actors who are in real life anti-vaxxers and um, n- and now I'm coming out the other side of it because people are putting together articles like uh, look at these problematic Hollywood stars and they're like putting Letitia Wright on lists with like people who are you know assaulting people and raping people and, and like doing horrible things and her crime is she put out one Instagram video that was vaguely anti-vax it doesn't seem very fair um, it's it's still a, a really bad look and uh, you know I, I think to some extent she should be more proactive in being a pro-science person now if that's really who she is uh, certainly the character she's playing in this movie. Um, but maybe maybe it's not... Maybe we don't need to, to, you know, link her to fucking, like, Woody Allen or these other <laughs> diabolical... You know, Kevin Spacey. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm all in for the idea of a movie that's just about grief and dealing with politics and... How, uh, you know, how does this country function when they've had three leaders die in the past, you know, five years or whatever, uh, if, if you include um, Killmonger and uh, Shaw's dad, Chaka. Uh, but it doesn't do that. It just becomes really long and deals with their grief, but also does this whole Namor thing, which I feel like they also were, like, locked into doing because... Uh, the weird rights issue where Namor and, and his whole underwater kingdom is technically universal. So it's like the Hulk where they can't make their own separate Namor movie. Instead, they have to sneak it into this one. Wait, why uh, does Universal own it? Because uh, back in the day, Marvel didn't have any money. So they were just selling out all their rights like in perpetuity to these companies. Um but was they, Namor like attached to another character who had their own film, or did they think they were going to make a Namor movie? I think they thought they were going to make a Submariner movie at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, that's all Universal has is like the Hulk and his guys, and Namor the Submariner and his guys, including Namor, uh, his girlfriend, who's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. I've seen Wakanda Forever twice now, and I think it's fine. Um, I still think Wakanda is a really compelling setting, and I want more of that. Um, I, I I liked what we saw of the, um, the underwater kingdom. I'm glad that we're going to get a lot of that this uh, this next few months with, uh, with Avatar 2 coming out in December, and then Aquaman 2 coming out, I, I think, fairly early into next year. 
Well, also uh, ahead of this movie, I also saw a trailer for uh, The Little Mermaid. Oh, right, in The Little Mermaid. Everything's underwater. I, it's funny, I haven't seen that trailer. Hmm. It's interesting. I wonder why. Um, they also just, like, squeezed in some stuff that didn't need to be here at all. Like, there's a, a whole uh, Riri Williams plot. Um because they're going to do a, a show about Ironheart, so they needed to have her set up, I guess. Uh, didn't feel necessary. Um, and then e- even more unnecessary are they bring back um, uh, Martin Freeman's character for a, a, a side plot that, that is just like, they're just working their way towards making a trailer at the end. Like, he didn't need to be in this movie at all. Um... So it did need to be as long. It didn't need to do as much as it did. Um, but I appreciate they were dealt a, a pretty tricky hand with this movie. Uh, and ultimately my main takeaway is I just really miss Chadwick Boseman and cancer sucks. Fuck cancer. Hmm. Yeah, man. Two words. Wing feet. <laughs> yeah. Best I thought that was, movie. yeah. I thought that was handled really well. I like the way that he kind of like does like a weird like like jumping motion the way when he flies, but it's like real fast. I was so pumped when they said he was a mutant. Yeah. Love it. Little tease. They had the restraint to not yes. do that musical cue this time. Yeah, didn't have that in Doctor Strange. They had that in Doctor Strange. I. I think they also did that in Miss Marvel. <laughs> I still can't get over how stupid that scene was. Like, that's now like the stereotypical scene I think of when I think of Marvel, just like shoehorning stuff in just to make nerds happy. Yeah. I kind of like it because they all immediately died. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, it would be nice if nothing comes of that. Like, that's the last time we see all those characters. That's <laughs> random assortment of characters. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess we are getting Fantastic Four, but just cast a totally different actor as Reed Richards. <laughs> totally different actor as Professor X when we finally get the X-Men. Just have that be a weird one-off scene that doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess this question was it was Wakanda Forever the best Marvel movie of this year? Uh, Thor. This. Mm-hmm. What else? Was the that Multiverse it? of Madness that we were talking about. Oh yes, the multi- that was this year. Wow, long year. Uh, yeah, this one's the best. It's so long though, but it, it's still the best. So long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's got the most interesting stuff, but it is, like, weighed down by all of the different things it tries to do. I did appreciate that I, Thor I, was yeah. a lean two hours, even if it didn't add much to yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At least it didn't waste right. my time too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys see that Chris Hemsworth thing? Uh, you have to be a little you, more specific. Are you talking about that show where he's like pushing himself to his limits? Yeah. 
I'm trying to yeah, think what it's, it's got a trailer a, for that. It's got a I don't dumb, know what it's called. I think it's called like Limitless, or, but that's confusing because <laughs> that's a, already a show and a movie. Yeah. Um. Someone else is Limitless. No, She's so it's trying to be Limitless. It's like oh. a uh, a docu series about um, how humans are like can like push their limits, but apparently in one of the episodes. Um, Chris Hemsworth finds out that he is uh, um, predisposed to develop Alzheimer's early in life. Oh, no. Um, so he's been, like, I guess you can watch that episode and he'll be in it talking about, um, you know, maybe winding down his acting career to, to make the most of the time he has left before uh, before he starts losing his memory. Oh my gosh. So he's not limitless. He's limited to a point. Yeah. I don't I don't like that. That's that's a bummer, dude. Hopefully he gets to play Hulk Hogan before he retires. Remember how he's gonna be Hulk Hogan in a movie? Remember how they've been talking about doing a time travel Star Trek sequel with him as George Kirk for like ten years? Uh yeah, let's get Sounds that familiar. made and let's get the Hulk Hogan movie made. Okay. Uh, and he's gonna be in the new Mad Max movie. Yeah. He's got some good stuff. Well, one good thing lined up, two other things in limbo. But let's let's make let's make it happen. Come on, everybody. Um. Okay. For my little pick, I've been reading a lot of graphic novels lately. Um specifically graphic novels by this artist named Corin Shadmi. He's an Israeli-American artist who does these biographies, but they're illustrated, um, and they're really fun. I, I read one he did once on Rod Serling called Twilight Man. I think he's got a Bela Lugosi one. Um, I'm reading one uh, that he wrote about the invention of Pong, but I think the one I recommend is the one that I finished recently was um, Rise of the Dungeon Master, Gary mm. Gygax and the creation of D&D, which is a yeah. – uh, well, it's him. Well, he just actually – he just drew that one. David Kushner wrote it um, based off interviews he did with Gary Gygax for Wired magazine years and years ago. And it's just fun hearing about how D&D began. Like I didn't know that turn-based role-playing – um, stemmed from H.G. Wells wrote like a I'm not sure if it's a story or a guide uh, something called like what's it, called? what's it called like Little Soldiers Little Warriors this is like turn of the century about these two guys getting like army men and like making a game based around it and then huh. from that people started making like their own like little military kind of role playing games and Gary Gygax got into that like in the 60s but then eventually he's like, dude, what if we made this, like, fantasy, though? And <laughs> another thing I didn't know, which was interesting, is that Gary Gygax doesn't like, or at least isn't a big fan of Lord of the Rings, which is insane to me. To what? Think that the creator of Dungeons and Dragons doesn't like Lord of the Rings. He based um, Dungeons and Dragons more on Conan the Barbarian. Because those huh. old, like, comics and old the old uh, Conan stories, you know, they had, like, monsters and shit in them. Uh, so yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's fun hearing how he developed the game, how he worked with uh, that other guy, what's his name, Dave Arneson, 
they kind of developed it together and then they split later on and you know, talked about how it was popular how satanic panic happened because there's people who believe that people were trying to play role playing in real life and getting themselves killed uh, which is insane uh, and then eventually how they just I think they just sold Dungeons and Dragons to Wizards of the Coast at a certain point um, yeah uh, and it's cool like the comic is done like with like almost like interviews with him and then they'll do like flashbacks and then they'll come, come back to him at his like house in, uh, in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, both Midwest guys, the guys who did, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Does Uh, it make you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? I don't know. I guess a little bit. My my only thing about playing any turn-based games is the time commitment is, is pretty extreme. You know, it's funny, the reason I read this um, or got back into Corrin Shadmi stuff was uh, back when we were doing, I guess we still did one Hanksgiving movie. I was reminded that Tom Hanks did that movie in the 80s called Mazes and Monsters. That was about, oh, like, yeah. satanic panic uh, role-playing. <laughs> and I considered picking it, but everyone online just told me, like, no, it's so boring, don't do it. <laughs> Uh, so I so I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't pick that anyways. I'm not really sure what the message of that movie is. Uh, but that got me into like, oh, I should read that Gary Gygax graphic novel. And then I read that. and Just been tearing through all of Corn Shadmi's work. So Rise of the Dungeon Master, uh, really fun read. Check it out. I might. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so my little pick will be another movie, I guess. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's one I'm afraid will get a little bit uh, lost in the shuffle of uh, Oscar season, especially when there is another movie that is like... Uh, <laughs> kind of an autobiographical coming-of-age movie. Uh, based on the director's life coming out. Uh, well, I guess it's already out the Fablemans, but one that also uh, is kind of in that same vein that I just saw was Armageddon Time, which is what I'm recommending, which is the newest film from James Gray. It's kind of based on his life growing up in Queens in the early 80s. It centers on a kid who's like what 10 11 12 uh named paul who's like kind of i don't know he's he's growing up in this middle class jewish family and he's starting to like kind of be a little bit of a troublemaker in school and he becomes friends with this uh black kid who's in his class and they both i don't know they they both become friends and uh, you know, they have fun together, but they also, like, are clearly kind of screwing off in class, and, uh, Paul's parents are kind of concerned about that, and they eventually make him, uh, switch from public school to private school, um, and the movie just, like, grapples with a lot of, like, uh, Jewish identity and, uh, white privilege and, like, 
uh, yeah, just the the differences in these two kids' lives, even though they're seemingly kind of cut from the same cloth. And it's also like it 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 nails <laughs> kind of that period where the the seventies turned into the eighties, like very specifically in a way that I appreciate, especially in terms of like the set design. Um, because it takes place in 1980 and everybody's like talking about Reagan running for president and, uh, you know, because it's in New York, like hip hops, uh, starting to flourish in New York, like throughout the movie, the kids are talking about going to see the Sugar Hill Gang. And, um, Hmm. it's just, uh, I don't know. I think... I haven't seen the Fablemans yet, but I think it's probably going to be an interesting counterpoint to it because it is a depiction of childhood that is not really sentimental. Like, it is a little more probing in terms of how these characters are sort of taking advantage of uh, of <laughs> the privilege they've been given and... Um, yeah, it's it's just <laughs> a little more melancholy, I suppose, than your average um, coming of age movie. And um, performances are good. Got Anthony Hopkins, Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong in there. Um, and it's probably my favorite of James Gray's movies so far that I've seen, just because you know because it is so <laughs> deeply personal and. For me, James Gray's movies I've always liked, but I've never quite gotten a sense of like what his, I don't know, what is what his personal touches that he's bringing to a movie since he's a director some cinephiles kind of hold as an auteur, but I'm always like, I'm not, I don't know if I quite see him that way. Like he definitely has a certain amount of craft and I, yeah. You know, his movies are always well-made, and they always have interesting ideas in them. But sometimes they're, like, a little too polished, and the fact that they're often uh, period pieces makes them, um, I don't know, a little hard to <laughs> kind of relate to on a personal level. But I guess by, by placing this in the more recent past, I found it, um, I don't know, a little more... Uh, interesting to grapple with although i guess he did make a movie in the future <laughs> recently yeah, with, with two Ad of Astra. the space cowboys in it yeah so he he'll he'll hop around all all sorts of time periods just as long as they aren't our own although pretty sure we own the night probably took place in present day i don't know there's still some movies of his i haven't seen but I've seen a few, and uh, I like this one. Cool, man. Yeah. Why is it Armageddon time? Um, I don't know. Is that Cold War stuff? <laughs> it's probably Cold War stuff. It's probably, like, maybe the sense of, like, things changing because of Reagan becoming president. Uh, I think that's also the name of a Clash song. Oh, I think cool. there's. I can't remember if that song's in it actually. I know there's at least one or two Clash songs in it. Yeah, very evocative of that era. I guess is why they went with that song title. I don't know. 
I'll probably check it out. It might get some Oscar love somewhere, right? I don't know. Anthony Hopkins, Perhaps. maybe? I don't know. I haven't seen Original it. Screenplay? Uh, Original Screenplay, definitely. Yeah, right? I think I call them. those are two possibilities. Anthony Hopkins is... Yeah? <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is good in it, but... Uh, I feel like people were kind of mad when he won that Oscar a couple of years ago. It wasn't his fault. Uh, uh-huh. He didn't think he was going to win. He didn't even show up. Bringing it back to Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. <laughs> it's all connected. I thought his uh, acceptance speech that he shot later was very nice. Yeah, he's a nice old dude. Because he even it's dedicated to, be mad to Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I think even he realized that, like, uh-oh, that, this doesn't <laughs> look good. It's a good dude. Hey, we're getting a sequel to The Father, you guys. Or is it a... No, that's a prequel. Never mind. Whoa. It's the Son. It's coming out. Or it is out. I don't know. I hear it sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just reading a review about how, yeah. like, this is the saddest movie ever and deal, deals with mental illness in the worst possible way. Mm. It's it's confusing to me how there's a movie called The Sun right now and The After Sun. Yeah. Or maybe it's just After Sun, the A24 movie. Get me mixed yeah. up. Rest in peace, uh, <laughs> Westworld, the TV show. Thought you're delivering a bombshell that Anthony Hopkins had died. God I no. <laughs> I wanted to bring that up as a segue because, of course, the movie we'll be talking about today, the big pick, uh, the Bunny Pit, was directed by Richard Benjamin, who starred. Oh in yeah. It's always weird to me that it's... he became a director. It is very. I don't weird think I've seen his other movies. I've seen one other of his movies. Oh, yeah? Which one? It's called The Pentagon Wars. Is that a Clint uh, Eastwood movie? What is no. that? <laughs> it's a Kelsey uh, Grammer movie. Kelsey Grammer? What the, f- what the hell is this movie? <laughs> um, so it is about... Uh, it's like I think it was like made for HBO or something. I don't know. Made for TV movie from the 90s about uh, the development of a, uh, I, I guess, like military vehicle uh, that uh, that goes awry over decades and decades and decades, which, by the way, is one of the great montages of all time. I recommend seeking out the, um, the Pentagon Wars uh, Bradley fighting vehicle montage where the, there's some, some good... Uh, Richard Schiff time passing as he loses more and more hair on the top of his head in that <laughs> montage. Sounds good. Um, it's fine. It's kind of funny. Also, Richard know. Benjamin Don't did make it. a Clint Eastwood movie, so I'm not entirely insane. Okay. It's called City Heat. Starring Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the Richard Benjamin Wikipedia page right now. Um, yeah. I was like, whoa, he's young. And then I read the <laughs> caption, Benjamin in 1972. This might be the oldest picture I've seen of a living person on Wikipedia. Wow. Curious case of Richard Benjamin. <laughs> he's got a 50-year-old picture as his Wikipedia profile picture. Yeah, I feel like that, that is, is only so supposed much. to happen when you're dead. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not. Still. Uh, yeah, what's up? What's up with that? I have seen my favorite year. 
I feel like that's his most notable. Maybe a but I don't, in that in Money Pit. His most notable. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> so I can't. I, I, I can't. Can't offer any uh, commentary. <laughs> um, Sometimes well, I, I feel like my brain is fried from watching yeah. too many movies. Like there are movies <laughs> I've watched where I'm like, I can't remember a single thing about that movie. Not a not a line or a scene or even what the plot is. <sighs> One of the so it's good. Movies. So you're recommending it. I remember enjoying it. I just can't remember anything about it. Yeah. One of the weirdest... I've had that experience a lot of times. So like, I know I've seen this, but I don't remember anything about it. But one of the weirdest versions of that I've had is... Um, we were talking about Powell and Pressburger one time, Colin, you and me. Mm-hmm. And I brought up uh, the Colonel Blimp movie. I was like, yeah, I should probably see that sometime. And you're like, haven't you already seen that? <laughs> And then, like, it all came flooding back to me. Like, up until that second, I totally forgotten I'd seen that movie. But then when you were like, I'm pretty sure you've seen that, suddenly I could remember scenes. I was like, oh, yeah, I did like that movie. (laughs) That was a weird one. War starts at midnight. Can't wait. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of old movies uh, from the 40s, this, this Money Pit movie... It's a remake of a of a Cary Grant movie called Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House. Hell yeah. Uh, I, we took so long to do this podcast. I thought about watching that movie before <laughs> we reviewed the money pick because I saw that it was on the Criterion channel. But I uh, didn't get around to it. Well, if you want to keep going back... Uh, that came. That movie came out in 1948, but it's based on a 1946 novel by Eric Hodgins, which was illustrated by William Stieg. That's right. The author of Shrek drew Mr. Wow. Blanding's Builds His Dreamhouse. That's so cool. It's all connected. It's all Get out of my money pit. And uh, and there is another adaptation of Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House that came out in 2007. You guys oh. know what movie I'm talking about? Uh, has, no, not off the top of my head. What if I give you the clue? It stars Ice Cube. <laughs> uh, hmm. Fortunately, I already know because I was on the Wikipedia page for <laughs> Mr. Blanding's. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so it's Are We Done Yet? The sequel to Are We There Yet is a remake of Mr. Blanding's Bill's Dream House. I don't understand why that has to be a remake. Why can't it just be another movie about people (laughs) building a house? It's not that novel of a concept. They're like, this is just too close. We better buy the rights. Just in case. Also, we need to make sure someone really old gets paid. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the charity business here at uh, Columbia I, Pictures. Or, I mean, it could be like, hey, we just picked up these rights. They were super cheap. Let's cash them mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys know that the exteriors of the Money Pit were shot at a real house in Ladding... Laddingtown, Long Island. No, 
No. Was it that fucked up? Uh, apparently it was, and the owners were like, what the fuck? And they're like, no, no, don't worry, it'll be good by the end. And they're like, nice, 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 nice. Um, and then the, people keep buying the house and then trying to sell it, and it doesn't go good for them. So people keep losing money on buying the house from the money pit, which is... Wow. Like, I don't even know if you can call that ironic. That's, that's just the concept. Life that's... imitates art, man. Wow. Yeah. Cursed. Um, how about this little, little bit of trivia for you guys? Okay. This was the first film that Tom Hanks worked with Steven Spielberg on. <laughs> and oh. it's how they became close friends. And it's how Tom Hanks started working with Amblin Entertainment and DreamWorks. Wow. Did what was the first Tom Hanks Spielberg collab like acting him acting in a was it Saving Private Ryan, right? Or was there one before? Am I missing one? No, I guess that would be it. Hmm. Hmm. Such a big gap. Yeah, it feels later than you would think, but I guess that's right. (laughs) Maybe he was just like, who was that guy in that money pit? (laughs) (laughs) I like the... At this, so we're talking like the this is the late nineties. So he's already done like Forrest Gump and stuff, and he's still just like, who is this guy? Steven Spielberg is the only uh, person in Hollywood who doesn't know who Tom Hanks is. He probably I mean, watched him receive multiple Oscars <laughs> in the audience at the Academy Awards. Oh, he yeah. just he just couldn't he remember who he, he was. He doesn't know that many people. I'm sure when he was doing Saving Private Ryan, he's like, should this be Harrison Ford or Richard Dreyfuss? Hmm, hmm. <laughs> Who's this Tom Hanks I keep hearing about? <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. Let me some, let me um, some Tom. Sure, yeah. I, I guess while this... That's what he's got going on. Uh, you know, Shelley Long is the other lead in this. She was she was on Cheers at this time. This is getting towards the uh, the end of her run on on Cheers. Um, so true, she, true she she's Beverly still Hills. on. She's still on Cheers when this comes out, or she left. Yeah, I believe she leaves in 1987. Okay, so still on. Gotcha. And she does those—I don't know—those Brady Bunch movies later in the '90s. Those are good. She's good in those. I like her. I think I think she's in Modern Family eventually. <laughs> yeah, but like later, that. like when I wasn't watching Modern Family anymore, maybe. Um, I feel like I saw her on Modern Family okay. in like an episode or two, and I definitely there checked out at like season th- three at most. Okay, so she probably was around for a while then. I feel like she was oh, one of yeah, I the found it. Eight episodes, or something. Eight episodes of Modern Family. Eight episodes over over nine years. So I wonder wow. if she just came in like once a season. Yeah. Oh, she was on Yes, dear. Remember that one? Uh, yeah. With Mike O'Malley. Yeah. With Mike O'Malley. What was the premise to that one? That he was. A slob? Like, what is it? <laughs> That's always the premise. How, how many shows can you make where it's like, hey. He's a slob. He's a slob. She's too hot for him. How do they How do they make it work? Well, but the thing was, um, no, no, he's a slob, but uh, his wife was like kind of trashy too. 
But then oh. they were like live they were like living in like the guest house of their like super uptight um like sister in law and his and her husband. Okay. So it's so it's like a uh a, instead of like an odd couple, it's an it's an odd couple of couples. Okay, gotcha. This is my little uh my little elevator pitch for <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 2000 sitcom Yes Dear You know or just one of those classic slob sitcoms You know like Married with Children or Grounded for Life Or uh I don't Titus maybe yeah. King of yeah. Queens King of Queens Sure yeah mm, Yeah okay Where they're both slobs Unlike something like that Mark Addy one Where he's just the slob Yeah what was that show called? That that was like the worst one, and I love Mark Daddy. That was like the worst of those shows. That character was insufferable, and it's such an asshole. And he was definitely at the Capitol on January six. <laughs> what the What's it called? Fuck was that uh, still standing. Still standing. Still standing. Yeah. Even the title sucks. Because you get it confused with Last Man Standing. I absolutely. I was just gonna say. I thought that was the Tim Allen one. Yeah. yeah. He was also a January Six. That character. Definitely. That's why all of his <laughs> daughters kept leaving the show. <laughs> he literally was the Last Man Standing. Cast members kept leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he meet? Uh, the home improvement Tim Tim Taylor guy on the That's show. Right. Anyone ever see that? I feel no. like that was uh, hyped up before it happened, and then I didn't hear anybody talk about it after it happened because no one watches sitcoms. They just they just play at gyms on a bunch of TV screens with no one watching them. <laughs> I guess in old old mm. people's homes too. Another guy who was once in a sitcom was Tom Hanks. Bosom buddies. Yeah. Where is Tom Hanks at in his career at this point? What's his breakout? At this point? Like in 2022? No, Money Pit. <laughs> Still waiting to break out. That makes more sense. Would it, I guess it's Splash, well, right? Splash, yeah. Fun fact, Splash, one of the like... writers of Yes. Well, I feel like it took him a while to have like a follow-up hit after Splash. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. What is your fun fact about Splash? I was just saying that was like I, I, looking at his career. I guess I mean he was uh, somewhat popular on Bosom Buddies, but it seems like Splash was like the movie where he made his splash. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to point out that. Um, one of the writers of Splash is also listed as a co-writer on The Money Pit. What? Uh, Lowell Gans. And I know this because I've watched like six Lowell Gans movies this year. Because <laughs> um, he's a frequent yeah. collaborator of um, Ron Howard. Um, I've watched a handful of films by him hmm. and his co-writer with the hilarious nickname Babalu. Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel were a popular writing team. They started on TV with, like, Happy Days. 
Um, I think they worked on Laverne and Shirley. And then they got into writing films, and I've just been, uh, yeah, I've been watching all these guys' films this year. I watched Splash this year, Night Shift, Gung Ho. Uh, I watched City Slickers recently, which they wrote. Um, Of course, Josh Mostel is in that and also in The Money Pit. They also wrote uh, League of Their Own. Nice. Uh, Parenthood, which is a movie I really like. Mr. Saturday Night, which is a movie we briefly mentioned on our Sneakers episode because it has because uh, David Paymer was like Oscar nominated for it, even though it's just like some dumb looking comedy movie with Billy Crystal. <laughs> and that's that's interesting to me because I don't know how that works out. Uh but yeah, so I was definitely excited going to Money Pit being like, oh, this is probably going to have a similar energy to those. And it does at points, but it starts out a lot plottier than a lot of those other Lol Gans movies. Because mm-hmm. um, it's also David Geiler who wrote, didn't he? Like, mm-hmm. Was he one of the guys who like uh, did a, a rewrite on Alien? <laughs> Him and Walter what? Hill? Oh? Yeah. Because you know the thing about... Now I'm talking about Alien. Where am I going with this? Um, we'll see. Because, <laughs> you know, Alien is credited to Dan O'Bannon, but it was really... It sounds like it was really Wal- um, Walter Hill and David Geiler who were like, we need to like whip this thing into shape. Because remember, the original title was Star Beast. Um, Star I think Beast. they kind of grounded a little more, and they also added the android. But I think when you look it up, I think they're just credited as, like, story. But I've always heard that, like, no, dude. They, like, rewrote the shit out of that. I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, but, yeah, David Geiler, or Giller, I've never been sure how to say it. I feel like you see his name at, the like, the beginning credits of any Alien movie because it's always, you know, they have to credit people that worked on the first Alien. Um... But yeah, he and him and Walter Hill, they did a handful of projects together. And it's weird that cool, dude. it's him and Lowell Gans, credited writers of the Money Pit. Um, I don't know if you guys had the same feeling when you're watching this that like for like 20 minutes, I'm like, there's so much like exposition to just get to this wacky fun house. <laughs> and it's kind of losing me. But once... For me, the moment that I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna enjoy this is when um, Tom Hanks like goes up the stairs and they just collapse. Yeah, it's like at yeah. the 25 minute mark or so. <laughs> it's it's I think it's a pretty uniquely 80s comedy film structure where um, I'm thinking of like Back to School as well, right? Where it's like we're gonna do a lot of plot to set up the, for the first act, and then the whole middle of the movie. It's not going to be any plot. It's just going to be <laughs> gags, and then we'll we'll wrap up all those plots at the end of the movie. There's there's not an arc to what's going on as they're repairing the house. Like yeah. it all just uh, there's the, the the South Park guys, right? They have that thing about when you're writing a script, um, if if your scene is and then this happens, like if that's the connection between two scenes, you're not writing it very well. Yeah. That's the that's the whole middle of this. It's just like the stairs fall down, and then the bathtub falls through the ceiling, and then Tom Hanks falls through the ceiling, and it just goes and goes and goes until they get, I guess, tired or run out of ideas. And they're like, I got, let's wrap this fucker up. You know, it is funny though. Like, 
I, I wasn't really that invested in some of these other like secondary plot threads at the beginning, like the particularly the one with Shelley Long and her ex husband composer guy. But I think that mm-hmm. gets really interesting when it comes in later, and he thinks that she cheated on him uh, with this other guy. I actually found that pretty. It was like a little stressful for a movie that's this silly, but at the same time, I was like, "This is this is kind of compelling. This is an interesting little detour. It gives her something to do in this movie because obviously she's not yeah. going to be, you know, launched, uh, you know, like a catapult or whatever through the house. So she's got to have something going on. Um, so I appreciated that subplot. I I think it actually w- went in an interesting direction. And did you recognize the actor who played that composer guy? I think I looked him up a couple of weeks ago. He, yeah, he's like in a he's in, he, in Die Hard or something. Yeah, <laughs> Alexander Godunov, who's also uh, in Die Hard, uh, which is a fun coincidence because uh, the song he's conducting at the orchestra at the end is "Ode to Joy," oh. which is also played in Die Hard. Okay. That's two years later. So, I mean, I guess you could say that this movie kind of made it possible for Die Hard to exist. I thought he was uh, see the... pretty good. Yeah, just just that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Who do you, you see? see what this guy was like a master Russian ballet dancer before he became a a heavy in these types of movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely cool. got the body for it. I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah. A lot of fun people popping up in this movie. Um, I, like I said earlier, Josh Mostel is the re- uh, he's like the realtor who keeps talking about how he's in the best shape of his life. Yeah, they do in this gag where he's like eating really poorly, but he's jogging, so he has like heart attacks all the time. <sighs> Not the best portrayal of an overweight person, and that he's like that he's in the ambience is like how many times this this week. Um, but I do like Josh Marcel. I was just thinking about how he sh- in, for me he should have been the Wayne Knight of the eighties. <laughs> I feel like he was he's that like he's a good actor, but he's also very funny. He's great at playing nerds, and he's been in like tons of stuff. But I don't think he was ever. I don't know. He never really stood out as much as like Wayne Knight did in the '90s, even though I feel like he's a similar kind of actor. Uh, Maybe he kind of just like paved the way for Wayne Knight. Oh, he he walked so Wayne Knight could run. Yeah. <laughs> you know what he is really good in though, which is a '90s movie, is Billy Madison. Do you do you remember him, Billy Madison, Sean? You've seen that, right? He's like a. Uh, I've seen the movie. Yes, he's like the principal remember. of the elementary school, who's also like an ex wrestler. Uh, it's a fun character. He's pretty good. Um, yeah, I always like seeing him. Uh, underutilized, even in this movie, he kind of drops off. I mean, why? Why does he need to be in the rest? But it's a, it's a fun little bit. I could have used more Joe Montana as well. Ooh, but his character sucks so bad. I guess he is a sex predator. <laughs> He's a sex predator. I just like Joe Montana. The character's bad. You're right. Was he the guy? Um, so he was the carpenter, and then he, then he had like all like the ripped dudes and like like beefcakes that worked for him. Was that him, or was that the second guy's crew? Yeah. 
I th- I think well I think it was like the second guy was also like his cousin or something. Okay, and that's why that's why Tom Hanks had to suck up to him even after uh, he molested Shelley Long. Um, and th- and also that scene it bothers me because they haven't at this point they're not like as desperate as they will be later. So it's feel it it feels really gross. I'm definitely gonna take back that, <laughs> that I think it's more of this character. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just want that to be on the record. I'm, I'm not supportive of what this character does. I just like Joe Montana, that's all. Uh, but no, I like it yeah. when all the guys rip apart the house. It's very funny because they make it much, much worse. Uh, what are some of the funny ways the house falls apart? I know, uh, obviously, there's like a, a piece de resistance scene <laughs> for this movie. That's the ultimate everything going to shit moment but i'm trying to remember some of the other ones is he like cooking something that gets flung across through a, like <sighs> see this is the what happens when you wait like a couple weeks i'm trying to remember the bits but it's definitely a funny cooking scene i'll say that much go ahead Sean. um i like the stuff shelly long goes through on their first night where like she tries to turn on the bathtub and just like sludge comes out. She just locks the door. She's like, fuck this. And then she goes to the dumb waiter and she brings it up for some reason. And there's like a raccoon family in there that attacks. Yes, her. yes, yes, yes. Okay, now I remember something I love is uh, Tom Hanks gets stuck in the floor for like a day. <laughs> right. He's upstairs. He gets, sinks through the floor and he's kind of like stuck in a carpet. And he just can't get out. Even when Shelley Long comes home, she doesn't believe him. She's like laughing because she like walks into the room. He's like, "I'm here." It's like, "I don't see you in here." And the uh, the guy, the um, the permit guy that he keeps accidentally missing comes, and Tom Hanks can't even yell for help because he's so compressed he can't even scream. Oh man, he has so much trouble getting his permits. It's so frustrating. I do like seeing Tom Hanks in this because Tom Hanks is good at being annoyed and mad. Though there were times where I was like, I wonder what this would be like with Chevy Chase, though. I guess <laughs> it's probably better with Tom Hanks, but uh, every once in a while I kept thinking about how, like, this really feels like a Chevy Chase movie, too. I guess just because of... Yeah. I think of, like, the attic scene and Christmas Vacation and stuff. Well, yeah, and, and the difference there is you have in that couple you have the pragmatic wife and the optimist husband uh, as opposed to this couple where they're both kind of cynical about the way things are going it would have been really different if if the tom hanks character was like no 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 it's gonna be fine it's gonna be great we're gonna make this work right instead of them both like kind of instantly giving up and then kind of just pressing on because they have no alternative Yeah, since you were mentioning that kitchen scene, I was like, I remember something really good being in there too, and I just like rewatched it on with mute on. Okay. So he rips out the whole electrical cord that like goes through the whole kitchen, and then it's like everything's on fire, and then he uh, like burns the turkey in the oven. And then the turkey explodes out of the oven and then shoots through the window to the other side of the house where Shelley Long is into her bathroom. That's good stuff. La- launching a turkey, yeah. Launching a turkey. Really good. Like, 
<laughs> Surprise number of things get launched. Yeah. Things get launched, things break. Um, you know something else I was thinking about though that I would have tweaked about this movie, kind of all over the place, but who cares? Is I I feel like this would have been a slightly better movie if they had been more middle class, and I'm not saying that they were super upper class, but like, you know, she plays in an orchestra. He's like a rock star man or like a TV or like a producer. I don't know. He works with rock bands. He's a he's a a lawyer for okay. Uh, musicians which imp, imp, uh, the implication is that's how they met is that he was but, probably the uh composer's lawyer but at the beginning of the film they're like living in her in like a like a penthouse that's like owned by her ex-husband and i feel like they they kind of start off as pretty high status and i think this would be a more interesting movie and i feel like this would be this would happen in the chevy chase version where they're like they're a family that's like saved up you know, to have a nice house someday. You know, more of like a working class family. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, there, there's something I find more compelling about them, like working up to this what what could be their dream, and then it all goes to shit. As opposed to this, um, I don't know. Seems seems kind of sad though. If that's the case, <laughs> it makes it a little easier to laugh. I was just at like, if it's like they'll be all snobs. right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, there's they're like. They talk about how they're broke, but they're also able to both get a hundred fifty thousand dollars in a, in like a couple days, so yeah. they can buy the house. Yeah, um, they're too connected for me. <laughs> not a, it's not a big thing. It's just like I don't know. I think it would be a more relatable movie uh, if they'd work their way up. I think that's Sigourney what would have happened in the Chevy Chase version that I'm was making in an in orchestra in, in Ghostbusters. Was that a cool thing in the eighties? <laughs> was everyone trying to date orchestra girls in the eighties? Remember how she's like in an orchestra in the first one and the second one? She's suddenly like her job is art restoration. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow, that's quite the departure. That's always weird in movies. Like in the two Goofy movies, or in the first one, he's a photographer, and the second one, he works in a toy factory. I guess he probably got fired because they found out he didn't go to college, and then he got to the toy factory job, and then they found out he didn't go to college, or didn't finish college again, and then he had to go back back to school. Extremely Goofy movie. Which is a bad film. Extremely. Uh, but this film was fun, and I wish uh, I'm almost compelled to like bring open the like a clip of the the ultimate Tom Hanks everything going to shit gets covered in white paint scene because that really there's fun. there's just so much going on in it yeah but it's really uh, it's really good and it's really weird how for like a huge section of it he's not like. He's just kind of like dazed. He's like, oh, what? he's not like screaming. <laughs> it's more of just like, what's going on? And there's like, there's not even like music in it to like the back half. There's like some classical music near the end of the set piece, but most of it's just like not musical accompanied, just like stunts. And he's like, what's going on? What the fuck? <laughs> it's really weird, but it's that's what makes it so good. I think. Yeah. How do you feel about his? Uh, his choice of laugh style in the uh, the bath falling through the ceiling scene. I don't remember. He, has, he doesn't. So he does. Thing? He does like he does like uh, like a 
weird like <laughs> like seal out of breath laugh uh when the seal when the when the uh the bathtub falls through the ceiling it's it's a it's a unique laugh it's not it's not what i've heard tom hanks do before or since um i mean i like it i think he's great in this movie i have no complaints about the performance from him or shelly long i think they're both pretty good in this movie um, okay, I'm just kind of scrubbing through YouTube looking for this scene. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, I'm going to watch it, and I'll, I'll do some play-by here. Play-by-play. Tom Hanks, I, I think he's on the second floor. He's talking to some guy. He's holding a paint can, and then he just walks into a hole, and then he, like, is on a board, and it launches something on the other end, some sort of... Oh, it's there's so much going on. Okay, so Tom Hanks walks down the hole. Onto I had to pause it. Onto like a, a plank. The other end of the plank, there's an electric saw. The electric saw mm-hmm. is launched onto a, a board up above him. Shelley Long plugs uh, in this saw, or plugs in the like some something electrical, but somehow it gets the saw to turn on, and then it saws. The board above, which has a wheelbarrow filled with concrete. It's falling. It falls on the other end of the plank and launches Tom Hanks out the window. Onto, uh, onto, I don't know what you call those kind of things you hang from the window so that you can paint them, you know, or, or, you know, just like those window washer kind of things. Just some sort of platform outside. Scaffolding. Thank you. Goes through the window, is immediately covered in white paint. He's trying to get it out of his eyes. The scaffolding is like lifting up. A guy's putting some sort of wheelbarrow out. Tom Hanks cannot see. He also looks like a mummy. He's got like bandages wrapped all around him. There's like some guys watching, be like, what's he doing? He's like stumbling around the roof, blind, like a mummy, covered in paint. There's another guy who's a lot of people are just staring at him, still stumbling across. He gets one of his rags stuck on a part of the, the roof. He falls down. He's in the chimney now. He's at the top of the chimney. It snaps. The chimney is going down with Tom Hanks at the top of the chimney. Wow, there's so much going on. The scaffolding is collapsing with people on it. People are jumping off it as he's riding the chimney down. He falls onto a platform. He still doesn't quite know. He's he's acting like he's in a dream. (laughs) Doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) He, like, smiles. He's like, what, huh? Scaffolding is still collapsing. It turns into like a ramp. Tom Hanks is sliding down. He grabs onto a rope. He swings across to another part of the scaffolding. He smiles again. It turns into a ramp again into like a slide. Now he's down into like a little wheelbarrow. And the wheelbarrow goes down a hill. And after people like getting out of the way. Like, oh, come on, he's coming down the hill. And he's like, oh, what? And then he falls into a fountain with a little boy statue. And the little boy pees on him. Uh, yeah, I probably could have done that a little cleaner, but it's just there's a lot. It's uh, it it's such. I mean, this is it's almost three minutes long too, just for this set piece. Uh, but it's it's so good that like that alone makes this movie totally worth it. That Looney Tunes like series of events, which looks really complicated, all practical. You know, I talk about it all the time. It's something that I really miss. How you do, you feel like you don't see uh, comedy movies these days that have like a decent budget. They all seem very cheap. So it's always nice to see one that's older 
that has like stunts and shit falling over and you know uh it's just such a treat yeah i always think of blues brothers where it's like oh also they wrecked like a thousand cars to make this comedy movie yeah Um, but amazing set piece. All the stunts are so good. Um, uh, yeah, aside from like that first twenty minutes where I was kind of like, you know, checking checking the time. There's also like some weird thing that they don't go too much into, where Tom Hanks' dad uh, has like fled the country and somehow left Tom Hanks with like his debt, or like he embezzled yeah, so, money. Or... Yeah, that goes back to them being uh, like lawyers for musicians it sounds like they or or his dad was embezzling money from the artists that they work for and so like not only did he run away with all the money he also you know uh left tom hanks in the position where he needs to repay that money to the uh the artists that he stole it from or embezzled it from yeah uh but of course he gets his comeuppance at the end I don't remember how it ends. How does it end? So after uh, they get back together and they have their wedding at the house, um, they well, if you remember, the movie also opens with uh, the father in Brazil. I remember the opening, young, yeah. Young wife. Um, so at the end of the movie, there we're back in Brazil, and um, there uh, we see the uh, Tom Hanks' dad and and his young wife are uh, being wined and dined by this salesman who is revealed to be Carlos, the uh, the husband of Estelle, the woman who uh, conned right. Tom Hanks and, and uh, uh, Shelley Long into buying the house at the start of the movie. That's the, apparently this is like a grift that they do where they buy big shitty houses and trick people into buying them from them. Okay. Also, I liked all the the, the vague uh, innuendo they make about uh, Carlos being a um, Nazi. I don't know if you guys remember that, but Estelle yes, says yes, that she, yeah. she she needs to sell the house really quickly because her uh, her Argentinian husband is being held by uh, like Israelis. They don't like come out and say that he's a Nazi, but like pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Very funny. Um, why was this produced by Spielberg and his 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 folks? I wonder. So this was Amblin, was it, or was it not? Yes, this is an Amblin. Hmm. I guess they're just uh, trying movie. to build up their catalog. It's just funny because you think about Amblin movies these days. Or at least how people talk about Amblin. And you think, you know, your ETs or your Goonies or whatever. Uh, but I guess there are some, it's like, cr- kind of old, tiny, throwback-type comedies like this. And um, what's that Continental Divide with with, uh, with John Belushi? Which is kind of like a yeah, no homage. Literally the first movie. Yeah. I guess there is a Amblin mix of... Produced. And this one, you know, this one did have, like, I, I could tell... Just based on the fact that it did have so much story that, like, it kind of felt like an older movie to me, too, in parts. Mm. Like, I could definitely tell that, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a remake. I mean, aside, I don't, I doubt the original has this much slapstick. Uh, but, 
I kind of feel that old timey feel to it. I don't know. Yeah, it's just me. No, I get it. It's kind of got that that screwball energy. Yeah, yeah. I I think so. For sure. But also like combining it with uh yeah, like Looney Tune energy as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, dude, it's fun. You know, I watched uh a similar movie recently, which is Funny Farm. Chevy Chase, also a movie about people oh, buying yeah. a new house and there's some issues with it. Uh, but like, no wonder you wanted to see Chevy Chase in this. I mean, I watched that afterwards, but maybe, maybe that made me think about like, like going back, like, hmm, would I have switched these or would I put Chevy in both? Um, but Funny Farm, I like after seeing Money Pit, I'm just like, why isn't uh, Chevy being launched through a window? Like, come on! <laughs> I thought this, these movies are supposed to be like. The, the funny farm that the funny farm itself is not fucked up enough <laughs> that's what's so good about money pit even though i gave them the same rating because you know they both have their strengths and weaknesses but at least in terms of the comedy i think money pit is definitely superior in just that you want the exaggerated version of of buying a new home whereas i feel like funny farm's a little too close to what could actually happen I don't know, Sean. You've you've just you've just purchased a home. Uh, have you run into any hilarious antics thus far? Um, well, I definitely get the, um, the like when you do your first inspection, like with the seller. Yeah. That the, like how rushed that is. I mean, we didn't do it by candlelight in the middle of the night <laughs> and then get rushed away <laughs> in a thousand-year-old car. Yeah. Um, but it it, it is. It is weird how you have to make this like huge decision, and they're also like, yeah, you know, get out of here. Um, and then there's just all the things that you think are fine that end up not being fine. Like one of the issues we've been dealing with is uh, the uh, the the garage door that I park under. Uh, it's shorter than the rail it, that uh, the garage door is on for some reason and so it's not actually compatible with most garage door openers so i have to like manually lift up the garage door which i can't do because it's not a handle on the outside of the garage door so i have to like go around the building and go in and open the garage door from the inside and then go back at my car and pull it in oh and boy close the garage door. yikes it's just like little things that you don't think are going to be a problem at all um you just I think you just get a lot of hubris as a buyer. They're like, oh, I can fix this. This isn't going to be a problem for me. Like, no big deal. And then you have to actually deal with it. And it's, it's a lot harder than you, than you thought. Interesting. But I don't feel tricked. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I guess I feel lucky about. I also just feel eternally lucky because, um, you know, as a millennial, buying a house is basically impossible. I was only able to do it because I teamed up with my brother and he was only able to do it because he lived rent-free at my parents for the last eight years. So how many people can even do that? Uh, Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has anything else to say or if we want to talk about goofs. 
Yeah, um, so uh, Roger Ebert hated this movie a lot. Oh, no. He had one star. Yeah. Really bored. Um, the uh, There's the cross-dressing band uh, called Cheap Girls. Uh, the main member of the Cheap Girls, the one that has the most lines, is played by Leslie West, the guitarist of the band Mountain, which I thought might mean something to you guys. <laughs> But not to me. A, a little bit, I guess. I know of Mountain. Uh, yeah. Um, I, my goof is also related to him. Uh, in in their first scene, they're telling uh, Tom Hanks that they want to change their name, and what they say is Meryl Streep in the movie. But what this IMDb goose editor thinks they said was bullshit. If you uh, if you read his lips, apparently it looks like <laughs> bullshit. Was going to be the name of the band, <laughs> and they ADR'd it to Meryl Street for some reason. <laughs> why did they do that? That's funny. It's, it's so much stupid, funnier. but it's funny. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> too inappropriate i guess were, were they trying to lock down a pg rating for this um maybe was there even a pg-13 in 86 Ooh, maybe yeah i think because it was not. um was it oh i can't remember what was actually the first one i can't remember if it was temple of doom or i can't remember if temple of doom and gremlins were the ones like okay we need another rating <laughs> I, I don't know if those were the, in, scary the, the films that, that convinced them to do it or if one of those was actually the first one okay mm. so that's like it's like 84 though then, yeah so right? it's a little or 85 i'm looking at what's the first i just googled okay, what it. is it con uh, according to google yeah it was red dawn which was 1984 okay ah. okay that makes sense so I bet those other two films were like, dude, we can't. These are too heavy for PG, man. Yeah. I'll always remember one time when I rented Planet of the Apes on DVD, and I was watching the special features, and there was a trailer, and there's just a part where like an ape shoots like a gun, and it's like rated PG. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Seems a little intense for PG. A guy gets lobotomized <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Uh, so it's just funny. What the fuck? Okay, I just was Googled uh, MPA ratings yeah. and I found the Wikipedia page. Yeah. You guys know that most trailers are green band. You guys know that some trailers are red bands. Yes. You, know, you know what I'm talking about when I say that? The, the MPA card that comes at the beginning of the trailer. Yeah. Sure. Did you know that there is a yellow band? Oh. Is for movies with piss play in them? <laughs> you really need to know going in. It's important. I mean, it's going to be in the trailer, so I just want you to be warned. And it's going to be in the trailer. <laughs> what, um, what is it, Sean? It's, it says that a yellow band is exclusively used on uh, trailers that are only released on the internet for movies that are rated PG-13 or or stronger. It's very specific. 
Yeah, I've never seen The that. one example Wikipedia has is Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007. It has a yellow band trailer on the internet. Really? Here. I'm going yeah. to see if I can. I mean, I guess when you watch a trailer like on YouTube, it doesn't usually have the the little. Yeah, I'm guessing this is from like, do you guys remember going to like Apple's website? Like, like literally like Apple.com. They had like a movie trailer section. Yeah, you yeah. watch movie trailers like pre-YouTube or before <laughs> everything was on That's YouTube. Right. I wonder if this is for like that that side of, of the business. Wow, how about that? Yellow band trailer. Uh, pretty fun. What's also fun, if you guys want to play it, I got a little game for you. Whoa! So, this movie came out uh, if I wrote my notes here correctly, in 1986. Yes. So I thought it would be fun if we could try to, if you guys could try to name who the top 10 biggest box office actors were in 1986. Um, and there's a couple ways we can do this. We can go head to head, we can do family feud rules, or we can just do it free and easy where you guys just kind of work together to guess. Any preferences on this? You guys just want to guess um, them until you get them? Let's just work together. Okay, let's work together. <laughs> that makes it a little less stressful. Can you guys name... I'll tell you right now, there's only one actress on this list. The rest are all male. 1986. Oh, can you guys guess? And I can provide clues if we get stuck. But I bet you can get I most have of one, these. There's one name I have. After that, it's, it's going to be called for a while. Okay. Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, is he's 11. What the fuck? Top Gun came out this Top year. Top Gun was like I think maybe the biggest movie. No, he's uh, he's thirteen, according to thenumbers.com/slash/boxoffice. I, I think the thing is, a lot of these other actors had multiple movies, whereas maybe Tom Cruise only had Top Gun. I'd have to check into that, but he's not at least according to this site, thenumbers.com, and the numbers don't lie, Sean. <laughs> Well, speaking of actors with multiple movies that year, little mini game, quick one here. This was one of three Tom Hanks movies in 1986. Can you guys name the other two Tom Hanks movies from 1986? 1986. Well, I think Big was 88, right? That's later. Um, yeah. 86. I mean, I could just name a bunch of Tom Hanks movies until you gave me get them right. There's... Uh... <laughs> There's, I could do that and not name these movies. There's the man <laughs> with one red shoe or something, something like that. Nope. Punchline. Uh, nope. Okay. Dragnet. Nope. Fuck. Bachelor is... party. Nope. Volunteers. Nope. Um. Wow, this is really hard. Then. <laughs> no, I I pulled these out because this is impossible. Uh, there's that one where his dad's like rich but that he's not rich what's that movie called <laughs> what's that jackie gleason one called oh you're this is this is one of them if you come <laughs> with the title <laughs> i don't know what it's called Good. no one's no ever seen it before it's called that's nothing in common with jackie gleason oh yeah no. really memorable title nothing <laughs> they're staring each other down on the poster Jackie's got um, a big old stuff. earlier. Nothing in common. We, I don't know. So we're missing. There's two other. There's one other. Okay. One other one. Yeah. Uh, this movie's directed by Moshe Mizrahi. Mizra, Mizrahi. Moshe Mizrahi, an Egyptian director. Right. 
No, an Israeli director, okay. but he's born in Egypt. Okay. Tom Hanks plays a Gentile American in the Royal Air Force station in Jerusalem who falls in love with a girl from a Sephardic Jewish family. Okay, I'm, I don't think I'm going to figure this one out. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know what this movie is. This film is uh, noted for being one of the f- a few that's partially in the Ladino language. I don't know if I'm able to pull this title though. Is a an old Spanish, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's called "Every Time We Say Goodbye." Yeah, I, I, that title wasn't in my head. Also, I like how my game turned into your game. Let's get yes. back to my game. Yeah. <laughs> the game within the game. I still haven't had a, a single guess yet. It. I'm giving you guys unlimited guesses. Too. Uh, no, I gave you. I gave you a guess. Your guess is Tom Hanks. No, my guess was Tom Cruise. Okay. And you said no. No, sorry. This is number eleven. Um, what about um, Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, he's number five. All right. Uh, what about Rodney Dangerfield? We know that's from nineteen eighty six. Back to school. Let's see where he is on the list. If he's uh, Rodney, Rodney, Rodney. Oh god, I don't see him. He's way down there if he's on there. Well, he's not in the ten, I'll tell you that much. Damn. It. Oh, he's seventy two. Uh who was the actor who was in back to school? Was it Charlie Sheen or was it Robert Danny Jr.? Robert Danny Jr.'s not on Robert the, the top ten. Think of some more funny not guys. You, there's some there's some action guys, there's some funny guys. Some old and there's some uh, old pros. Oh, I like Bill Murray. I know Bill Murray. This is harder than I thought, but you're on the right track. Che- Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is number three. Uh, what about uh, Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy is. I don't think this year actually. Eddie Murphy is twelve. Okay. Okay. Uh, what about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnold Schwarzenegger is eight. Okay. You're nailing it. Why? Let's see. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure, he had something. Com- Commando was 85. All he has in 86 is Raw Deal. Okay. I'm just going off the of highest me. numbers, Sean. <laughs> I don't know what the site is. The numbers.com. The numbers don't lie. No, no one's seen Raw Deal. Maybe it's just how much they're pulling in. Also, movies would like you know. Uh, I feel like movies would come in and out of theaters and shit. You know, they like re-release shit. I don't know. Maybe Terminator came oh, back. Bringing them back. Yeah. If I had another good site with this information, I would use it. But all I have are the numbers. <sighs> Just trying to think who that actress could be. So she's been in a movie that we've covered. Also, this game isn't as much fun as I thought it would be, so let's hurry it up. <laughs> uh, I'm it all right. Okay. <laughs> um, the number one. I'll just go. I'll just start from the bottom and move our way up. Number ten, we haven't got sure. Funny guy, dead now. Number ten is funny guy dead now. Yes. <laughs> But all our funny guys are still with us. You left us too soon. 
Huh. Really um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Whoa. Um, uh, Leslie Nielsen? Not Leslie Nielsen. I'd say Leslie Nielsen did not leave us too soon. He was around for a while. He was around long enough to have two different careers, basically. Uh, I mean, but like John Belushi would have been dead for years. He's in a beloved holiday classic that I almost watched recently. But I've seen it many times before. John Candy? Uh, John Candy. It's number 10. The more I think about it, I do wonder about um, where they're getting these numbers. So 1986, John Candy was in Armed and Dangerous and Little Shop of Horrors. That's the thing. It's like it doesn't seem. I don't know if they're going. I don't know what they're going off of on the numbers. Let's 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 assume that this is wrong, but still try to get it anyways. Maybe it's if it's if it's based on 85, like their value in 86 being based on 85, that makes more sense. Because in 85, John Candy had like Volunteers and Brewster's Millions. His star couldn't have been higher. Because it is hard for me to believe that Tom Cruise isn't in the top ten. Um, but Arnold Schwarzenegger is for raw deal in Commando. Don't know. Don't know. If it's wrong, it's wrong. But we're this, wrong, we're this, wrong. this we're this deep in it. Okay, number nine, an old pro. Not too old. Old now, still alive. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is on this list. I, th- yeah, he's six. This isn't the guy I was uh, asking okay. about, but he's on here. Um, we've covered number nines, uh, a movie of his before. Mm. Old pro, handsome. It's not Paul Newman. I don't think you're I've done one of his movies. Dangerously close, but I'm dang- Robert Redford. Robert Redford. <laughs> okay, eight is Arnold. Seven is the one that definitely doesn't belong on here. Action star sucks. Uh, <laughs> Steven Seagal. You're real. You're dangerously close. <laughs> Who's also Who's, like Steven Seagal? Like Dolph Lundgren. Um. He wasn't around yet. No, really, no, not just, quite. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking like. Van Damme, but he wasn't quite a thing yet either. I think more rugged. More oh Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. You got the rugged. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you got you guys at Clint Eastwood, you got Sylvester Stallone, uh Chevy Chase. We're still missing the actress. Um number uh, number two and number one. The number two was said at some point, but it wasn't uh officially entered as a guess. <laughs> Come up a lot Sigourney, tonight. Sigourney Weaver? No. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the actor first before I do the actress. The actors come up a lot tonight. Chevy Chase. Hint hint. I don't think anyone actually guessed him. It wasn't Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase was on there. He was guessed. He's on there. Okay. Gotcha. It was around the time Sean was talking about Tom Cruise. <laughs> Uh, 
I said his name. <laughs> I I thought it had been submitted as a guess. Talked about him a lot tonight. A lot. Wait, was it Tom it's Hanks? Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Number two. <laughs> so we're missing the actress or we're missing number one? The actress talked about it in an early episode of The Pick. Uh, her career didn't really last past the 80s. She's still around, but you really don't see her much anymore. Hmm. It was a Sean pick. An 80s movie uh, that Sean picked her in. Was it uh, Kathleen Turner? You nailed it. It's Kathleen Turner. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, from Body Heat. We're down to number one, and I actually did Google a couple other sites. So I at least know definitively that the number one is the number one pretty much around the board. And it's one of those things that could have only happened in the 80s. It's kind of like an 80s phenomenon that this guy was a star. <laughs> The number one actor of 1986, according to the numbers and a couple other sites. Mostly comedic actor. Pretty much exclusively. There's a couple other slight, like, dramedies he was in, but mostly comedy. Um, Still alive. I I don't even know if he was doing movies in the 90s, really. He's on an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Um... He's part. He's uh, famous, probably most famous for a franchise. I don't think we've seen any of them, though. I feel like we've talked about. Should we get into that franchise? Is it, is it Steve Gutenberg? Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> it does actually oh. say films contributed for him because he's number one, and they do list um, Cocoon, which was a big hit, which is eighty-five, but I guess some spillover. I don't know. And Police Academy Two. Mm-hmm. Um, Short Circuit was a big hit. That was 1986. Oh, Police Academy three was 1986. So it just he had a bunch of Police wow. Academies, and he had Cocoon, <laughs> yeah. and Short Circuit, and then the next year, I mean that doesn't even count. The next year, the next year he was in uh, Three Men and a Baby, which was the biggest film of 1987. <laughs> so people just got uh, Gutenberg fever for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really seen him in much. I don't really get it. I've seen him in Cocoon. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> it's just weird I, 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 he's in a great episode of party down yeah. yeah has that phenomenon happened since where there's an actor who had like a pretty big year and they kind of dropped off can you guys think of anyone else like yes that? oh who <laughs> who do you think uh well i was gonna say sam worthington but i think i'm thinking of that other guy that was like sam worthington <laughs> oh uh, uh, J- Jai Courtney. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's quite comparable to Steve Gutenberg. Well, he had what, like Suicide but, Squad yeah. and uh, like Divergent, a couple other things. It's, I mean, it's not the same because it's a, over a much shorter period of time. But mm-hmm. like both those guys, studios were like, this is the next big thing. We're gonna put him in a bunch of shit. Yeah, real fast. I think Sam Worthington was the pretty good example. Uh, it's, I'm just well, I'm trying to remember which ones are Sam Worthington movies, which ones are Jai Courtney. Movies. Oh, you know, because they aren't they, um, aren't they both in Terminator Salvation? <laughs> Is Jai Courtney in Terminator uh, Salvation? No, he's in Terminator Genisize. Oh, okay. 
The important thing is they've both done a Terminator. They also had to rotate through uh, Game of Thrones actors, right? Because Lena Headey was uh, Sarah Connor, and then they switched it to... uh, Amelia Clark. uh, What's her name? Amelia Clark. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, so there's my game that I'll probably never play again. <laughs> it's, I think it would be better if it was uh, me hosting that game because I'm just not as good at coming up with actors as you guys are. Uh, you I think it'd be it. easier if it was a year we actually lived through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might help. Instead too. of one that we only know from the history books. Yeah, I mean, it is tough. <laughs> I mean, you look at most of these names, there are names I think most we, we all know, but I guess it's still hard to narrow it down from such a big pool yeah uh, um speaking of narrowing things down from a pool john i think it's your pick it is now. my pick um yeah i've been thinking about this long and hard i've been thinking i want to do a christmas movie because i always i have a I have a running list of christmas <laughs> movies that i always want to watch and and you're correctly noticing that we've transitioned into being a monthly podcast monthly podcast so, <laughs> weekly I just, you're you're busy building your house that I was ju- i'm apart. just worried i'm just worried yeah, that yeah. if i don't pick this now i'll miss my chance for another year uh-huh. um so i gotta get it in while i can i i can't guarantee i'm gonna pick again in december <laughs> <laughs> and if I do, then maybe I'll actually pick something good because I'm Sorry. not picking something good this time. I'm continuing the trend Uh-oh. of picking bad movies. No. But this one sounds fun. I watched. I just watched the trailer again recently, and I'm like, this has got to be worth. This has got to be like a good conversation. You know, sometimes even a bad movie is is a good podcast episode. Um, but I I, I want to watch Reindeer Games. <laughs> this is a 2000 action movie the last movie john frankenheimer ever directed this is ben affleck he's getting out of jail um and he's meeting up with a, a woman he's been exchanging letters with Charlize theron and then i think mm-hmm. it's her brother or someone she knows ropes him into a uh a ca- uh, the heist of a casino and the gang is it's gary sinise is the leader of the gang and also in the gang is uh danny treo and Donald Logue. <laughs> We're getting a lot of actors that have been in picks of a past picks we've done. There's a lot of like people entering the the two timers club for this one because yeah. we've done a Ben Affleck. We've Gary Sinise was in Green Mile, so we've done a Gary Sinise. We've done a Charlize. We've done a Donald Logue. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like that kind of like cheesy early two thousands fun. It's There's got Isaac Hayes. Isaac as, Hayes. As Zook. As Zook. Uh, <laughs> written by Aaron Kruger, who uh, does have a screenwriting uh, credit on Top Gun Maverick, though also has uh, credits on three Transformers movies. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the trailer, Ben Affleck's running around in a Santa suit. Uh, the tagline, the trap is set, the game is on, Reindeer Games. All the comments, this, this was actually something that was important to me. All the comments in the YouTube uh, trailer for this were like, this is one of my favorite Christmas movies. I watch this every year. And I'm like, okay, so there's, there's, there's clearly a fan base here for this movie. There's, 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 this is a tradition for some people. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe it will be something worthwhile. And even if it isn't, I, I, no way this isn't a good conversation. 
it looks too like too silly. I'm excited to see how it relates to Christmas. I don't know. I, I, I don't, yeah. Nothing... I mean, the title and he's in a Santa suit at parts. I think it's just set during Christmas. I don't think there's. Oh. Maybe there's some Christmas music in it. We'll see. Ooh. Oh, Alan Silvestri score. The great Alan Silvestri, uh, of course, uh, most uh, in my mind, uh, best known for the Predator theme. <laughs> Greatest piece of music ever composed. It's important. Okay, now I'm looking up the soundtrack uh, just so I can see. I see Silver Bells is in the soundtrack. Repeat, Silver Bells is in the film. <laughs> Sounds pretty festive to me. Let it snow, rocking around the Christmas tree. Joy to the world, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, love Roller Coaster, for some reason. Little Drummer Boy, two versions. <laughs> you know, it's the night. Or no, it was 2000. 2000. That was basically the 90s. Basically the 90s. Came out in February, which was a bad choice. It bombed horribly. <laughs> Did not make back its budget. <laughs> yeah, an interesting movie. No one talks about it. Um, always interested in, in diving into some like weird, like deeper cut Ben Affleck. You know, last Christmas I watched that yeah. one he did with James Gandolfini, uh, which is oh. an insane film. <laughs> what was that one called? Surviving Christmas, I think. Sounds right. Do you guys know the premise of that movie? <laughs> Not really. No. I don't know ben Affleck about it. is like super rich, but he has like no family. So he like goes to a small town and sees this nice family. It's James Gandolfini's family is like, "Can I pay you so I can be in your family for Christmas?" <laughs> oh, and James Gandolfini Ooh, is just that's... so pissed, but he's like, "Oh, but it's so much money." <laughs> Some of it works, uh, but it's bad. It's real bad. Um, yeah, it's surviving Christmas, but the pick is Reindeer Games. The game, the trap is set. The game is on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I look forward to talking about that with you guys soon. Uh, If you want to hear more conversations just like this one, head on over to mildlyplease.com where we've got all the podcasts uh, and posts and all sorts of things. And and also, you can just search for Mildly Please in your podcast app if you you don't want to go to the website. And you'll find the other podcasts we did. And. Uh, that's it. So thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Hold tight.